in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, for sake of time, I'm not going to read the whole of uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 12 to 21 again, or 11 to 21 as it were. I'm just going to read two verses, which is 17 and 18 from 2 Corinthians 5. And 17 is the one that we all know. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18. I'm reading from uh, the ESV, which is the extremely superior version. Um, <laughs> 17 and 18, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. I'll just read those uh, verses uh, for sake of time. Um, I'm sure I've told you uh, this little story before, but I know that when a person preaches in a church, people forget very quickly what the preacher said, so I'll say it again anyway, but uh, the story of uh, the, the small boy who um, was rushed to hospital because he, small, he swallowed a pound coin, and the, uh, the mum rang up the hospital to ask how he was, and the doctor said, I'm afraid there's been no change. Um, it's terrible, I know, it's terrible, I've used that loads of times, I'm sure I've used it here. But most people, if they're honest, would like to change in some way. If we were to talk to each other really honestly this morning, there'll be something about our lives we want to change. Maybe we want to change our appearance. I got the shock of my life the other day when I looked in the mirror at home and I was wearing my glasses that I can see with. And uh, I thought, who is this old guy looking back? And uh, maybe we want to change our appearance. Lots of people do. You see all kinds of TV programs now about people wanting to change their appearance. Perhaps we want to change our circumstances. We're not happy with our lot in life. Perhaps we're very unhappy in our job. Maybe our family situation isn't great. Maybe we want to change our relationship status. Maybe, and I, I know this won't be the case for us Christians in the church today, you know, we're married and we wish we weren't. Uh, there might be people who are not married and wish they were. Don't do it. No, I'm only kidding. Um, but changes, changes in, in relationships, perhaps. Um, most people would seek change of some sort because they're unhappy with things. They're unhappy with their life. We heard through the testimonies today, didn't we? That I was practicing Islam, but I wasn't happy. I, I didn't know this God. It, it was a harsh God. Things were difficult for me. I needed a change, and I didn't know where to look for that change. And although outward change, sometimes we can change things outwardly, can bring about a, a temporary uh, peace or a fleeting happiness, a true contentment only comes through an inward change. Through inward change. The Bible says that what we need is something called regeneration. Regeneration. Not reformation, but transformation. That is, we can reform ourselves outwardly. I could go and have... Uh, all kinds of injections in my face, get rid of the lines on my head and stuff like that, try and remove the bags from my eyes, could do all that and it might make me feel a little bit happier. But the problem's not outward, it's inward. The, the, the problem we have um, as human beings is inward, it's our heart, the problem of the heart. And we find in John 3, don't we, that Jesus is speaking to a guy called Nicodemus, a member of the Sanhedrin, uh, a very religious guy who outwardly at least 
would have appeared to have his act together in terms of his relationship with God. But Jesus said something very interesting to him. He said to this guy, this religious leader, he said, Nicodemus, you need to be born again. You need to be born again. And this morning, just for a short period of time, on the occasion of of these beloved believers being baptized, I want to speak about this blessed topic of the new birth. The new birth. Quick show of hands, who's heard of John Wesley? John Wesley, most people. If you've not heard of John Wesley, then you need to really wonder whether you're saved. I think it's the reality. Uh, I mean, John Wesley is a very famous Christian. But here is something you might not know about John Wesley. You may do, but you might not. Did you know that John Wesley was an Anglican clergyman for 10 years before he was saved? Before he was truly saved. Did you know that? For 10 years, he was an Anglican clergyman before he was saved. Did you know it was possible to be an Anglican clergyman and not be saved? Yeah, we did. <laughs> Let's not talk about the Church of England this morning. That's another topic. Um, but do you know it's also possible to be a practicing, church-attending, Bible-reading, ministry-serving member of an evangelical church and not be saved? That's more challenging to us, isn't it? We know the C of E have lost the plot, but man, what about evangelical churches? It was whilst Wesley was on board a storm-tossed ship on his way to America to convert the Indians and fearing for his life that he saw a group of Moravian Christians on this ship worshipping amidst the tempest. And he knew he had not what they had. And it caused him to call into question his salvation. You know, storms in life usually show something about us. When storms come into our lives, it can often show whether we truly have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, it's possible to religiously do all the right things and yet be far from God. Wesley realized that though he thought he had a relationship with God, something was missing. He needed to be born again. He needed what he came to call the new birth. And I want to talk to you this morning about the new birth. Let me begin by, tell it, by, by, begin by telling you four ways the new birth does not come about. And yet people think it does. So first of all, the new birth does not come about through religion. Through the practice of religion. I spent some time with three Mormons this week. What fun that was. Two Mormon missionaries who uh, had agreed to meet. They asked me if I could meet them at their church rather than um, where we were going to meet, which is the library in Bradford. And I'd been before, so I said, yeah. I asked some people to pray for me, knowing I was going to their church. And they said, can we bring someone on with us? You know, someone who's just interested in what we do. I was expecting that we were going to bring a young lad with them who was maybe thinking about being a missionary himself. But it brought an older guy who was full of it. And he was so deceived, bless him. It's not to say anything nasty of him. He told me about how he was brought up in Mormonism and then he left Mormonism, got involved in all kinds of occult practice and all kinds of things. And through a spirit healer who he was speaking to, said something to him that made him come back to Mormonism. He was an intense guy. I felt like I was involved in spiritual warfare being there. But they began to proceed the, the, the way to get to God, the way to get back to Heavenly Father, as they call him, 
is through the practice of their religion. These guys are dead in their trespasses and sins. They don't know about the new birth. In fact, their own scriptures in the Book of Mormon says, 2 Nephi 25-23, we're saved by grace after all we can do. No, we're saved by grace alone, in Christ alone, through faith alone. See, salvation never comes through religious practice. The Apostle Paul found that out, didn't he? He was the most religious man going. He said, you know, I was of the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews. I was far ahead of others of my age in my pursuit of, of following God through Judaism. And yet he found that all that was to be rubbish compared to the surpassing knowledge of knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. Religious practice meant nothing. And Jesus, in John 3, saying to Nicodemus the same thing. Jesus said to him, Nicodemus, the thing you need is to be born again. You need a new birth. A new start. No, we're not saved through the practice of religion. The new birth doesn't come about by that. Neither does the new birth come about through the practice of, of right living. Some people think, well, if I just live right, then I'll be okay with God. Quick show of hands again. Have you heard of something called the Cumber Mila? Cumber Mila, heard of that? No, well, you need to question your salvation if you've never heard of Cumber Mila. I'm only joking. The Kumbh Mela is a two-month festival which takes place in India every year. It's on right now. It's happening between January and March. And millions of Hindus uh, come along to the Ganges River to be washed clean for forgiveness of sin and for salvation. Uh, some thousands come along stark naked. Some of them rolling on the rough roads for miles, believing that festering sores on their bodies would earn them salvation. Hundreds have kept one arm lifted up for years until the arm gets shriveled and dry with gangrene. Others have stood on one leg for years. Others hanging onto a suspended sling while sleeping. All these are done to appease the angry gods. Now, are we blessed that we're not Hindus? Let's have an amen to that. These guys, in their pursuit of trying to be right with God, come up with all kinds of things that they think is right practice and right living. They believe it's a right way for them to live. Their, their desire is to end the cycle of birth, death, and rebirth and eventually reach what they call nirvana, where they'll be truly free. They talk about rebirth, but the Bible and Jesus speaks about new birth. They talk about being free through all this weird and wonderful stuff that they do, but they don't know the one who can truly set them free, the Lord Jesus. The one that we've just heard testified of this morning friends are you trying to live in such a way that you may please an angry god that will never get you to god that will never get you to heaven to live a certain way will never bring about the new birth you see before being a clergyman john wesley 10 years a clergyman before he was truly saved he was the leader of something called the holy club in oxford a society formed for the purpose of study and the pursuit of a devout Christian life. His brother Charles was part of that as well. George Whitfield, the great uh, preacher as well, was part of that. They sought to live holy lives, pleasing to God. They were meth methodical in their practice, hence the name Methodism. But they're not experienced the new birth. Isn't that interesting? That these guys, they were getting up at the crack of dawn. 
They were reading their Bible. They were saying their prayers. They were doing all that stuff. But they didn't know the new birth. They were not born again. How interesting. John Wesley records in his journal, he said, I'm going to America to save the Indians, but who, dear Lord, will save me? No, the new birth can't be attained by the practice of religion or right living. Neither does the new birth come about through ritual, like baptism, or any other kind of ritual. That in and of itself, we've already said today, um, that that is just symbolic of something that's already taken place. So ritual doesn't help us. And again, but people practice all kinds of rituals, thinking that pleases God. The new birth doesn't come about through race. So despite what the Americans may believe, that they're all born again and all saved, it doesn't come about through race. It's not an issue of race. It's available, the Bible says, to all who believe. So there are ways we don't get the new birth. But let me tell you, the new birth is a necessity to really come into relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. We need the new birth. It's not optional. You know, we've had all kinds of problems with our cars over the last few weeks. I've broken down twice, both times in Lancashire. Now, you see, that's what happens when you cross over to the dark side uh, and, you know, leave Yorkshire into Lancashire. Uh, first time, my brakes went. Second time, my clutch went. Both times, I had to be towed somewhere. What joy. And I thought, so I was talking to my advisors um, the, other, the other night, and we're talking about maybe it'd be good to just try and find a small, newer car um, that's more reliable for me as I'm running around all over the place. And um, I began to look just on the internet. I didn't tell my wife. I was looking at the internet, these cars. And um, you can get really cheap, basic cars, and then they offer you optional extras. Some of these cars were so cheap, the optional extras were seats and steering wheels. <laughs> that's, how, that's how cheap these cars were. These were basic stuff. But the reality is, the new birth is not an optional extra. Jesus said to Nicodemus, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Do you know the only true Christian is a born again Christian? That would be controversial to say that in some places. You might feel that a little bit controversial as well. I've in my past preached at churches where if I mention something about being born again, I've had people challenge me and say, well, you don't have to be born again. That's that, that's that American law. No, it's that, it's that biblical law that it's talking about. Peter records for us in 1 Peter 1, 3 to 4. He says, in his great mercy, he, God the Father, has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. For you. The necessity of the new birth. And what are the results of a new birth? Well, we've heard some of the results of new birth today, haven't we? I wonder here, quick show of hands again. Anybody heard the guy, Billy McCurry? Is that name familiar to anybody, Billy McCurry? Then again, you need to question your salvation. I'm worried about you lot. Billy McCurry, let me tell you about Billy McCurry. I was speaking um, on Jehovah's Witnesses, a, a place over in Lancashire again, uh, last year, when um, I was stood by the door, like you do, to shake hands with people leaving, and a guy came up to me, and I shook his hand, and I looked at him, and I said, you're Billy McCurry. And he said, yes, I am. And he was really shocked, and I said, I used to teach about you when I was in school. 
Now, Billy McCurry is a really interesting guy. He's a pastor of a church in Ormskirk now. But when Billy McCurry uh, was young, he lived in his family with his mum and his dad in Northern Ireland. He lived during the times of the Troubles. And when he was 12 years old, his father was murdered by the IRA. He was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And he became, young Billy and his mother, they both became rather bitter and angry. And his mother used to love to sing uh, country and western songs. And when her, her husband was just murdered, she could no longer sing. She became bitter, twisted, angry. And at 12-year-old, uh, this young boy, Billy, lost his father. And he too, with the help of his mum, became bitter and angry and twisted. And at the age of 16, he joined what's called the UDF, the Ulster Defence Force. And he was trained to kill people. At 17, he was sent out with a gun to the streets of Belfast, and he shot someone in the head, just blew their head off. Two weeks later, 17-year-old Billy was arrested and put in the Mayor's Prison for life. Four years afterwards, while he was in the prison, he was challenged by a prison guard, and the prison guard was talking to him about God. And Billy McCurry said, I don't believe in God, no time for any of that stuff. He showed no remorse, no guilt over his actions. But on Christmas Eve in 1980, an elderly Christian lady went into the mayor's prison and wandered into his cell where she read from the Bible to Billy. It's Christmas Eve 1980. And she read the story of Jesus' uh, death on the cross, the crucifixion. Her name was Gladys Blackburn. And as she read this story to Billy, he began to break and break down. And for the first time in his life, he said, I felt guilt and I felt remorse for what I'd done. And she offered me Christ, he said, but I, I did, even then I didn't want to accept. But sometime shortly after she'd left, I got on my, kneel, on my knees in the prison cell and I prayed and asked this Jesus to forgive my sin and to forgive me of, of everything I've done in my life. And instantaneously, straight away, I felt his peace and his forgiveness flood into my heart. That bitter and that anger was gone in an instant. He'd experienced the new birth. He'd been born again of God. He wrote to his mom and said, Mom, I've become a Christian in prison. She wrote back said, forget all that, son. And she just, again, just vented all that anger through her writing to him. She said, never forget, Billy, the IRA, IRA killed your father. The IRA are scum. And she underlined it several times. And he prayed for his mum for some time after that. Some time after, he received a letter from his mum saying, Billy, I went to church. And I've accepted Jesus as my Lord and Saviour. And my life has changed. And now when I go home, I sing those country and western songs that I used to sing when your dad was still alive. She received the new birth. That's the new birth, friends. Have you received the new birth? Do you truly know this Jesus that we've heard testified of this morning? Have you experienced being born again of the Spirit of God? See, when a person comes to Christ, they don't just become nicer people. They become new creations. New creations. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 
And you this morning, if you have not experienced Christ and you've not come to him, you can receive him this morning and all that stuff, all that rubbish in your life can be put away with. All that bitter anger, guilt can be gone in an instant and you can walk away truly set free by the Lord Jesus Christ. The new birth is a spiritual experience. In 2 Corinthians 5.18, it begins by saying, now all things are of God. This, is, this only comes through God. can't come through religiosity. can't come through right living. It can't come through all these different things we might try, and people do try. No, these things come from God. We come to God. And as we come to, to God, and we repent and confess our sin and say, Lord, Forgive me, give me Jesus. I want to live for Jesus. There's an awakening. Dead in trespasses and sin, alive in Christ. Suddenly there's a love for Christ that we never had before. I've already mentioned Billy McCurry is now a pastor in Lancashire. You need to pray for him, he's in Lancashire, friends. Dark place. A love for Jesus and the things of God. There'll also be a desire for holiness. How many times have we heard... People give testimony and say, my life changed in terms of holiness. We do hear that, don't we? One of the most frequent things I've heard is when people say, well, I used to swear like a trooper, but when I became a Christian, it just stopped. There's a desire for holiness, to follow a holy God. It's a spiritual experience. It's also a definite experience. If it's happened to you, you will know about it. That is for sure. For some people, it might be they can remember a, a place where they were, a day to time, something that happened. It's a spiritual experience, a definite experience. It's an instantaneous experience. Again, as Billy McCurry said, I instantly changed. I instantly felt peace. In a moment, you go from lost to found, from darkness to light, from hell to heaven. And the new birth is a powerful experience. 2 Corinthians 5.18 again, it says it's through Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ, we have power to live for him. It changes us. We live for him. It changes our direction. There's a repentance, a turning round. And there will also be what Wesley came to uh, discover when he was born again and received the new birth. There's an inner witness of the Spirit. You know, it's a sad thing. It saddens my heart. When I hear Christians say, well, I hope I'm going to heaven. I, I, I hope God will accept me. Friends, if, if that's you, maybe you've not got that inner witness of the Holy Spirit that says you are saved, that you are going to heaven, that you are redeemed, that your sins have been forgiven. That's the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. And that brings about a change of desires. We're no longer concerned with the things we used to be concerned about in the world in fact, 2 Corinthians 5.18 says that we receive, he's given us a ministry of reconciliation. That is, those things that occupied our minds and our thoughts and our time before we received the new birth suddenly go and suddenly we, we, are, we are just thinking about Christ and, and how others can receive this, this inner witness, this new birth that you've received. We want to tell people about Jesus. John Wesley records this in his journal 24th of may 1738 he said in the evening i went very unwillingly to a society in aldersgate street where one was reading luther's preface to the epistle of the romans 
about a quarter before nine, while he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation. And an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. That's when Wesley received the new birth. That's when he knew Christ fully. That's when he knew he was saved. And it revolutionized his life. And we know what he went on to do. But it's good talking about people from 200, 300 years ago. But what about right now? Do you long for eternal change? Have you been born again? Have you received the new birth? Maybe you've not a Christian, never professed to be a Christian. Maybe this morning it's time for you to consider these things. Maybe you've been coming to church a long time and you've, you've got into religion, but you don't really know Christ. Today's the day you can know Christ. You can accept him. Some of you may say, well, I'll think about it, Tony. So you might say, well, maybe when I'm a little bit older. It's been really sad in the news in this past week, hasn't it? If, if you uh, follow football particularly, of this young Argentinian football player, Emiliano Sala, who was traveling over from France to the UK, he'd signed for Cardiff City, never made it. That plane went down in the English Channel, found his body this week, sadness. I think he was like 23 or something, all excited, tweeting about coming to play in the Premiership. Everything there, gone in an instant. Friends, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to accept Christ. So I urge you, in light of what we've seen and heard this morning through these baptisms, as they've testified to a changed life in Christ, don't walk away without a changed life today. And if you want to know about this or pray about this, and it's as simple as just praying with someone, and if you've got any questions, come and have a chat with myself, one of the elders, Pastor Phil, Lucas, Bruce, come and chat with us and let us pray with you this morning. But I urge you to be born again by the Spirit of God. It's the most amazing thing that you could ever do to have that connection with God and to be assured of eternal life in the future. Amen. We're going to sing a final song together. We're going to sing Facing a Task Unfinished, which again is a challenge to all of us here who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ this morning to share our faith with people, to talk to them also about the new birth. So let's stand together uh, as the worship team get ready and we'll sing this. <laughs>